Friends, I've been afraid. I've been afraid to share a lot of my raw truth in my podcast episodes because one, I'm just generally a fearful person. Two, I'm fearful of like hurting people. I'm afraid of backlash, um, negativity, critique, nasty comments. And I'm afraid because it's me being really vulnerable. However, if I'm going to have this podcast called The Happy Pill and share my journey and talk about sharing the raw truth, then I need to do that more. Um, I mean, I've been away from the podcast for for reasons, right? A lot of difficult and challenging reasons. So what I'm starting with in episode 37, it's going to be a new series that I'm calling My Mother Issues. Because my truth is I actually do have some pretty deep mother issues that I'm currently working through right now. And they are challenging. Um, they're upsetting. They're guilt-inducing. They're, they're hard and they're hurtful. So starting in that series, I'm going to go deeper. You're listening to the Happy Pill Podcast with Ursula Yerdun, a podcast about sharing my trials through trauma and mental health issues. This may be my journey, but I'm not alone in these issues. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to another episode, friends. I'm really happy to be here, even though you may not exactly hear it in my voice right now. You know, coming back to this podcast, I generally have always talked about and shared my story and aspects of my healing as tools and techniques and wanting to share it. And that still is obviously very much of what I want to do and quite Truthfully, I don't always share what is currently happening to me in the moment. Um, you know, that's been a, a, a bit of a challenge. You know, these past few years have, there's been too much to talk about all at once. And I've been doing a lot of work, but right now, my truth is I feel like I'm really struggling with my elderly um, mother. You know, discovered earlier this year that she had had a stroke, even though she didn't show any symptoms of having a stroke, which was quite interesting. Until we got her to the hospital, she was having lots of confusion. She was falling down. She was unstable, wasn't um, secure. She was having a lot of bladder infections and very minimal delusions at that time. This was back in June, uh, June of 2022. And, you know, during the hospital stay, um, it really brought up a lot of things and it certainly brought up a lot of triggers for me and a lot of childhood um just just the ptsd regarding my childhood and you know what happened and where was my mom during all of that and why was i neglected abandoned abused why can't she hear me why can't she see me you know a lot of these things i've been dealing with throughout my life and trying to work through to the best of my ability and as many of you know, healing is an onion. It's so layered. Uh, and sometimes, honestly, for me, I was working on the trauma aspect first, the actual uh, sexual assaults, the sexual abuse. I was dealing with that aspect first. And that was a lot of my episodes, you know, early on in, in the beginning. And, you know, right now, and I'm so sorry if I'm being a little repetitive with my words, I'm really not editing this podcast. I'm just shooting the shit, keeping it real. So you may hear a lot of ums, so's, whatever. <laughs> yeah, my truth is I'm, I'm struggling with my mom right now because um, she's in the hospital again. 
the second time I've had to call EMS on her because she's she's had some hallucinations. She's got more delirium going on. Her confusion has um, exponentially uh, gotten worse in these past few weeks. So once again, I'm sitting in the same boat that I did back in June of 2022. And going through that the first time and feeling like the only family member that was actually working through all of that, it was very difficult. Um, It was hard. I never shared it on Facebook. I'd never talked about it before. This is the first time I'm actually opening, opening up and talking about it. And it's, it's difficult. If anyone has elderly parents who are having dementia, who are having mental health issues and crises that require further medical attention that is beyond your need, it's certainly beyond my capability of doing anything, you know, it can really be a challenge, you know, um, and it has for me, um, it really has. And I'll explain a little bit because what happened in June is mom was having her issues. She was falling down a lot. She was having lots of shaky leg. And so when we finally got her to the hospital, they had said that, oh, she had actually had a stroke, but could not identify when she actually had that stroke. So we were just noticing within family and friends, like when did this decline, this mental decline start to happen with my mom? So we were noting around, okay, maybe six months ago, it was you know, early 2022, was there anything going on then? Well, a little bit confusion, a little bit of confusion. We didn't think that much of it because my mom is a, a massive worrier. Like, I mean, massive. It is way too much to worry. And no matter how many times I said, you know, like, please calm down, please calm down because this will build up over time and it could really be detrimental, you know, and then that's what happened. Um, so at the hospital, they dis- discovered a stroke She was in the hospital for six weeks. Uh, She had no paralysis or anything on the left side of her body, nothing like that at all. So it was kind of strange that, you know, through their testing, through the CAT scan and blood work and everything that they did discover this. So during that time in the hospital, um, I was advised right away, all of a sudden I was thrust into the position. I'm like, oh my God, I gotta be power of attorney. Oh my God, where's her personal directive? Oh my gosh, everything's gotta be enacted because you know, the hospital and the doctors and the psychiatrists are all recommending these things. And of course at the hospital, everything has to be done now. I had no idea what any of this stuff was, not one bit. So I had a massive crash course in all of this stuff, all this legal stuff that I had no idea about. So that was not an easy thing to work through because for me, I'm, I was the only one doing it. You know, there was no siblings around. There was no, there's no aunts, uncles, cousins, nieces, nephews. Yes, actually my niece, but you know, she's out of town. And really this, this wasn't her issue. This wasn't her issue to, to take care of even though she's extremely supportive and, you know, loves her Oma. And so it just fell on me very quickly. And it was, it was hard. It was really hard. And I'm thankful for my partner and I'm thankful for my best friend that was helping me through that time because it was just way too much. So all these things started to come out. It's like, oh, what? She had actually burned like a tea towel at home. Didn't know that. You know, that was shared by a friend of hers. Well, of course I have to share it with uh, the medical staff. 
And I literally, literally had to explain this story 10 times to the entire medical staff, all the way from the initial EMS call to the firemen, to, you know, uh, EMS, to the police, to everyone at the hospitals in the emergency department, then onto the next floor, then to the doctors, then to the nurses. So, (laughs) and the physiotherapists and the social workers and that whole process. 10 times I had to keep repeating the same story and things were just unsafe for mom to be at home. So this was a decision, you know, the hospital staff were in full agreement, the doctors, home care eventually that became involved, they all knew that, okay, the best place for your mom for where she is right now is in a supportive living home so that she could have her medication supervised because that was a huge issue with her medications because it started off as me having a conversation one day with my mom and I kept noting how confused she was and within a half an hour we had to repeat this same topic that we were that we were discussing and I would point this out to my mom and she had it as like this game you know and I said mom you just repeated that again we just talked about this and she said oh I did it again didn't I (laughs) and it was like it was a joke to her and I kept telling her, I kept pointing out to my mom, it's like, no, this this is actually becoming an issue, right? And the issue was becoming the fact that she didn't want to admit her age. She didn't want to admit that she's 81, going on 82. And she didn't want to admit that. She thought that she still wanted to be 60, you know, and everything is fine. And it's it's not fine. She was mixing up her medications, which I didn't know. And she was having this mass amount of... Um, Zopiclone, which is a sleep aid, which from my understanding right now, they're actually not even recommending or prescribing Zopiclone that much anymore because it can have negative uh, mental health effects. Well, my mom had all her stuff mixed together, her heart medications, high blood pressure medications, and her Zopiclone, all in this one little container, totally maxed out and mixed together. And I thought, what the hell is this? So of course didn't know that until I actually started searching through everything. So my mom never said anything of what was going on with her health. So once people were telling me about her, the level of confusion that they were witnessing and what I was witnessing, mom just wouldn't believe me. I mean, this is not a, this is not a surprise to me because she's done this to me my whole life. She doesn't take what I say seriously. Um, she doesn't really listen to it. She'll say she does, but she actually doesn't. Um, and it just becomes this, this, this problem, right? So she always needs to have it confirmed by somebody else. So she goes to her husband and her husband says, oh yeah, no, I've definitely noticed the confusion and everything. And then she freaked out. She freaked out so bad, created such a massive panic attack. And of course, who does she call? Me, because her husband doesn't do anything. He couldn't call 911 for the life of him. He doesn't do any banking. He only does things by cash. Very, very old school, which is also very, very frustrating. My mom had done everything. So I come and I'm talking to my mom and she's freaking out. She's like, that's it. You know, I want to go to the hospital. I want to get out of this house because I mean, she's been under stress with her husband, which is not a surprise. That's a whole other series of episodes. And it was just too much. She got so stressed out, all her overthinking, I think, and her nervousness and her fear, her her intense, incredible, debilitating fear. It honestly is just, it now just took a toll. So called EMS, 
uh, got them to come there because she wanted, she was talking about dying. She's like, I don't want to be here anymore. I just, I just want to die. And while that is honestly a medical emergency, right? Like you, I have to mention that, you know, to the dispatch, they then bring the police because the police need to know, is this a safety issue right away before they bring in paramedics? The first people that show up are firemen. That's what they do. They actually show up first, do an assessment, had to relay that. Then the police came in, had to do the assessment. Then a finally EMS came in. So there's nine people in this little tiny townhouse. And what does my stepdad do? Well, he just sits in the kitchen and he eats his lunch and he does his puzzle. Mm -hmm. That's how active he's been in their relationship. So generally all that kind of shit just falls on me. You know how frustrating that is? It's really fucking frustrating and it angers me. Here's my truth, I'm just spitting it out. So I was there with my mom and I'm trying to hold her hand. I'm trying to explain everything to everybody. And you know, she t starts talking about, you know, this is not the first time that she has thought of suicide. In fact, she actually thinks of it every day. And that just shocked me. And I was like, what? You know, and she looked me dead in the eye and she says, well, I don't tell you everything. So now it's like, what doesn't she tell me, right? What don't I know? You know, it, and that just brought me to tears and I had to step out. I had to step out. It was, it was just, I was getting upset and I, I didn't want her to see how upset I was by that, but I was absolutely upset. I didn't know, like, like, I just didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to say. And the police, oh my God, they were just so sweet. They're like, are you okay? You know, just go take some time. And I went outside, I just was crying a little bit, shared with my partner, and it's just like, okay, let's move on, next next phase. So they take her to the hospital, and then starts this six week process of tests and exams and more tests and more exams and more evaluations to discover that not only did the stroke happen, yes, there is confusion, yes, there is a cognitive disability that's forming, which which is essentially uh, a, a early form of dementia and how to monitor that is to monitor the slide. Well, six months prior, we're noticing a little bit, but two weeks prior to her big episode, you know, there was a massive downturn. It was just, boom, there it went. And I was like, Ooh, there's a lot more confusion and there's a lot more fear. So what was that about? Okay. So we're going to monitor that. They did recommend, um, they recommended a home. Uh, for mom, a essentially retirement home. I thought it was a really good idea because it was not safe for mom to drive anymore. She had spent two days in a row, four hours, just driving around, getting lost because she didn't know where I lived anymore. And she had already been to my place a few times. A few times. It's actually only three because generally my mom never comes to visit me, right? It's always me who has, has to go to her. So as you're going to hear in these episodes, you're going to hear a lot of history as well. So four hours, eight hours, essentially over two days, getting lost while driving is not a good sign. It's not safe for her to be out there. So they determined that no, she is not safe to go home. She's not, it's not safe to cook. So they recommend an SL4 care, which is a supportive living care, which is, um, Basically, medications are fully monitored. She no longer has to mix up her medications or anything. She, It's all taken care for. She will have these three meals a day. She'll have activities with other people. Really, honestly, it's, it's a retirement home, but it has just a little bit more support for her, which is wonderful. That turned out to be a shit show of an idea. 
that created so much stress that it it left me so sick. Honestly, it really did because at first she was all for him. In fact, her roommate at the hospital was like, oh yeah, I live in this facility. It's wonderful. You get to do this, you get to do that. It's, you know, it's, it's great. And so mom was all for it at first and then she wasn't. And then she was, and then she wasn't. And then she was again. No, then she's not anymore. This constant up and down. And eventually the down would really start to wear out. And then it was like, no, I don't want this because I want my dog. Well, um, I've already had to rehome one of your dogs because these two little dogs that are literally peeing and shitting and pooing all over the house are not properly trained. They haven't been properly taken care of. They're a year old. This is frustrating the fuck out of me. Rehomed her birds because it was just chaos in that house. Rehomed one of the dogs. Honestly, both of them should have gone to, um, to someone who could properly take care and train these dogs. Well, her husband didn't want to have that. You know, stepdad John didn't want to have that. He wanted to have some kind of animal. And I was just like, I was stressed to the max trying to figure all this stuff out. I did not recommend it. I didn't think it was a good idea. I still don't think it's a good idea because of this, this poor animal. Yet there's also the compassionate side that knows how good an animal can be for their heart. I do get that. I do understand the longevity for seniors by having an animal. So I wasn't trying to be indifferent about that. I wanted to be safe about that and also care for the animals because one, their house stunk. There's piss and shit everywhere. You know, my partner and I were literally moving that week. Well, we had to go to their house, clean up, throw out some carpet, throw out some furniture because it was so infected with all this other stuff. You know, had to get, bring in a professional carpet cleaner because everything just kind of stunk. So that kind of neglect does not sit well with me. So that then became a real issue with this dog. She would not let go of the dog, no matter what. And I said, in these homes, you are allowed visitation. So your husband can come and visit with the dog. I have my little Olive who's in training right now. And once she's like trained, I can come and visit and bring my dog. So you get dog therapy. I totally understand the whole animal therapy bit because I have one, right? And and she just just became so adamant about it. And so I had talked with the staff and I had talked with the social worker and trying to figure out a plan. It's like, okay, here we go. You're going to come home for a little bit while all this paperwork and stuff is in process for you to go to home. And it could honestly take months. The system is so backed up in here in Calgary. And so mom had agreed to that. Okay, great. So there, you know, it was constant conversations. Her doctors had to keep telling her about this as well, that going into this home is going to provide this benefit. Home care would come in and say, yes, this is what's going to happen. You know, this is kind of the place that you could qualify for. And, you know, here's all this good deal. And yeah, she was totally up for it until she decided she wasn't up for it. And that was a constant daily battle. And within the day, it was multiple battles. So this just compounded so much stress on me and especially the fact that I was doing all of this myself. It was hard to keep everybody updated. Um, it was hard to get all the paperwork, the lawyer work, get all the stuff that she needed to, you know, um, for the safety for the bathroom, you know, getting all of that gear, getting her walker, taking care of the finances, everything. And it was a real, real challenge. It was a very stressful time. And then one of her symptoms, one of her confusions, and this is one of the things that really hurts, is that what happens is that because their memories 
are not quite the same. And my friend would tell me about it. She said we had it with my mom, you know, then she started accusing, you know, me and my sister about doing this and doing that. And then it started to happen with me. My mom accused me of stealing from her, taking something from her closet and, and saying that, uh, you know, I'm taking stuff from them and, and stealing from them because I wanted to put them both into a home. Well, I don't need your 400 rolls of Costco toilet paper. Right? I can go to Costco and get my 20 rolls if I wanted to. I don't need 400. I don't need 18 tins of Tim Hortons coffee. And guaranteed, my friends, there was literally 18 massive tins of coffee in their basement because mom is overspending. Right, Every time there's a fucking sale on for Tim Hortons Costco coffee, she's going to get uh, Tim Hortons Costco coffee. And what I say about Costco, she just buys it at Costco and buys it in bulk because that's what Costco is. And it was just, honestly, at that point, it's just getting ludicrous, right? It's absolutely ludicrous, but it was hurtful. It was hurtful that she was accusing me of stealing from her when all I've done for these past 20 years is actually help her, you know? And I do know that she has helped me as well. I do know that. Oh God, this is going to be such a massive episode. I can't make that a massive episode. This is going to be a big episode or multiple episodes because it's such an in-depth topic, right? And then that was just it for me. I couldn't do it. She started to attack my my partner. You know, when I started to, I was like, mom, I can't do this anymore. I have to take a break. I can't because I was feeling chest pains. I was feeling the numbness and the tinglings down my arm and my left arm. You know, I, I couldn't sleep at, at all. And I already have like chronic insomnia. So this is terrible. So this is all compounding even more. And then it really started to trigger my childhood trauma and really trigger the the mother issues in, in that trauma. I was always dealing with him and the assaults. But, you know, my mom was a part of that as well. You know, she was there. She was neglectful. She abandoned me. She didn't protect me. And, oh, and just all that kind of stuff. It even gets hard to talk about. So all of that it just made me then I absolutely had to shut down my friends and my partner were just like that's it it's done you have to call it right and oops sorry I hit the table and so I had to and I felt so much guilt doing it I felt so much guilt removing myself as mom's power of attorney, as her agent for her personal directive, which the psychiatrist at the hospital enacted the personal directive, which is to say that my mom no longer has the capability and ability to make decisions and keep up with her decisions. Those decisions now fall onto me. <sighs> That's a lot. It's it's a lot, especially when it's all been just so overwhelming and in my face. And because she became so belligerent and so rude and so nasty, and even to my partner, when I started to back away and it's like, you know what, fuck, I'm trying to help you here. I, I, I agreed with you that you can come at, come back home for a little bit. You can be with your dog for a bit, but with the understanding that you are going to be moving into a home in a few months so that you can receive the proper care that you need. And, and no, she just became an absolute bitch. You know, she said hurtful things to my, about my partner. Like, why are you, like, why are you with that person? Like, she couldn't even call her by her name. She just said, you know, that person that you're living with 
is totally taking advantage of you and using you. And, and, oh my God, like, I can't even remember all the stuff because it was a phone message. And, and that I was doing it wrong. I was the one who was messed up. You know, I was the one that was stealing from her and it was just so hurtful, you know, and everyone kept telling me, it's like, that's her condition. You know, this is what happens. And it's like, yeah, I can understand that to a point, but it doesn't change the way it hurt. So I removed myself, which was honestly the best decision I could have done. But it did mean I had mass amounts of guilt because there was no one else. I knew her husband was not going to take care of her because he can't take care of himself. I knew that. I let his family know. He's been my stepdad for 35 years, but you know what? He's not my dad. He was never my dad. He never felt like my dad. And so, no, it's like, no, your family, his family could take care of him. His kids could take care of him. And you know what? No one wanted to take care of him. Hmm. Go figure. So I just couldn't do it anymore. I honestly just couldn't do it anymore. I pulled away and then just so much nastiness. And then three months later, here I am again. Because because that personal directive was enacted, was signed, um, it still means that I'm her power of attorney and everything. And that has just... <sighs> I think it's the third time I've had a big sigh. <laughs> uh, it's just, it, it's hard. It's really hard. Like, part of me is feeling like, fuck, I got to go through this thing again. And then there's the other part of me that is like, well, I'm glad I'm probably still in the picture somewhat because otherwise it was just chaos. Like she was spending recklessly. Um, she couldn't figure out her technology. So she just goes up and buys another computer. Like, no, no, you don't need another computer because you can't use the first one that you have. Right. So what she was doing to me, she then started to do to her friends because it's like she just had to spread her tentacles outward. And in the meantime, what's been happening to her mentally is she's still declining, still declining, still declining, still declining until this week I had to call the EMS again on her because I had her condo board call me and uh, mention that they couldn't understand what's happening with her because there's a lot of confusion going on. And now there's the added paranoia and there now there's the hallucinations and the delusions that are coming you know that she's in the wrong house that she's living in two houses and she's seen this woman live in her house and and it, it's so intense that she can't shake it so the doctors were doing all the tests well maybe it's a bladder infection because my mom's prone to that and apparently in the elderly it can be quite damaging to them they can go into like a massive form of confusion and delusions and hallucinations so it's like, wow, okay, this is what a bladder infection can do. Also, kidney issues can do that. You know, another stroke can do that. And yet all the tests this week came back normal. And I was like, no, this that can't be happening. Can't be happening. So I talked with the nurse this weekend and I said, there's more tests that have to be done. And so now I'm sitting in this place, once again, having all of this repeated, which was why my podcast to begin with um, I was actually meaning to launch this back in the summer and got completely postponed because of all this stuff with my mom. And now here I am again. <sighs> I think that's four. <laughs> I'm not really, I'm sort of keeping track, but I'm kind of not. Um, and I need to keep just talking about it. 
I will end this episode now because I never wanted to have these episodes last more than a half hour. But I just need to, I just need to talk because there's so much that I don't know. There's so much I don't understand. And I'm trying to figure out and navigate while still doing my healing as well. So thank you for listening to this, uh, this episode, which was a little perhaps chaotic, but thank you for being patient. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you require more support and information on depression, please contact your local health care provider, distress center, or in Canada, go to canada.ca and search mental health support, get help.